Yeah. Okay, guys. Welcome to the SC Comic Con 2015 Valiant Comics panel. Um, with me, I have my esteemed colleague, not really, uh, Adam Freeman. I'm esteemed. He is esteemed. He is esteemed, just not my colleague. Uh, mm-hmm. Robert Vendetti. How you doing? Brian Reaver. Hello. And Louis Larissa. Hi. So, is this on? Um, yes, it's, it's for on. those of you who have never been to a panel before and you're wondering how this is all going to work, uh, I've never moderated a panel before and I'm just as curious. So, let's get started. <laughs> um, while I fumble for my notes. Okay, so a, a very, very brief history of, of Valiant Comics. Valiant Comics was originally a company that started up, a very upstart company that started up in the early 90s. They rose to prominence through uh, very strong storytelling, very, very tight continuity, respect for their fans. Uh, in 1992, they won Publisher of the Year for, from Diamond over Marvel and DC and Dark Horse and Image, which was unheard of. And then the speculator market crashed. And so comics in general took a, took a big hit. And one of the casualties of that, unfortunately, was Valiant Comics. But they had fostered a rabid group of fans like myself uh, and Dinesh Shamdasani, who is now the chief creative officer and CEO for Valiant Comics, who could not be with us. So we kept the dream alive on, on the Internet, on, on forums and stuff, and traded the books uh, back and forth. Some of the books at the end were really hard to find, so we... We, we kept it alive and kept it in, in, in the forefront of our memories anyway. And so when the opportunity arose for someone to step up and shepherd these properties into another generation, Dinesh and some others did that. And five years later? Uh, that's... No, I mean, we've only been publishing for... Well, but, but I mean, since... since, since oh, so I think it's now... I think actually because it took seven years from the minute... From the day they bought... To the uh, the day that um, we published, so it was seven years. So it's been uh, two and a half years now. So about nine years total. So nine yeah. years later, we are where we are. Valiant is is thriving. They've just signed a a multi 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 million dollar deal for development of motion pictures and theme parks and TV shows and and everything. There are Valiant toys in Toys R Us, which. The me from 1992 is giddy about. Um, I know because I bought like five of them already. Um, so it's a very good time to be a Valiant fan, but it's also a very good time for you guys to jump in if, if you're new because the universe is still very new. Um, and one of the things that, that these gentlemen have done is make it accessible for everybody. So I would like to, if, if anybody, ha- any of the guests have any kind of history you know, with Valiant, either as a fan or... I know none of the guys on the panel necessarily had worked with the company before, but Adam can speak on some of the guys who used to actually work for Valiant back in the day who have, who have come back and done some work. Yeah, um, well, in our office actually right now today um, are two, uh, two guys who actually started off with Valiant. Uh, Fred Pierce uh, is our publisher. He uh, got brought on uh, to Valiant um, from one of theirs. Uh, he was he was inserted by one of their stockholders at one point to say uh, you guys should probably start making some money here at some point, and uh, so he uh, he was their VP of manufacturing, and is now our publisher and uh, one of my favorite guys uh, in the office. I've learned I've probably learned more from Fed Pierce than in any any other aspect of this. Uh, uh, this experience and Not more uh, than just comics. Fred's led a pretty interesting life. He like, has. He can man, talk to you guess. about just about anything, <laughs> and he will, uh, <laughs> given the opportunity. Um, but yeah, he's uh, Fred is Fred is a legend. He really is, and uh, not just in his own mind. But uh, he, uh, he he is awesome. Also, Walter Black, who you talked about how uh, the uh, the speculator boom busted. 
um, and busted Valiant. And I'm not certain I 100% agree with that. Um, I think more of what happened in, in Valiant's history was it was purchased at the height of the boom. It was purchased by a company called Acclaim, which was a video game company that wanted to develop properties for video games and other uh, another, other IP uses. And uh, so they bought Valiant for just a truckload of money. And um, and they I, then Acclaim went bankrupt is really, I mean, specifically how it happened. Everybody struggled during the late 90s. I mean, I came into comics in 93. And uh, even on the retail level, we were all struggling. But anyway, I, I, I digress. Uh, so when they bought, were bought by Acclaim, Walter Black was brought in to handle the, uh, uh, the publishing end. He had done publishing books. Uh, been, he grew up in publishing. And uh, when uh, after the bankruptcy, uh, Dinesh Shambhasani and Jason Katari, who were the uh, two co-founders, were looking at these big boxes, uh, these big bankers' boxes full of paperwork, and Walter Black's name's on them. And Walter lives in Long Island, which, if you know about New York, uh, geography is not that far away. So they called him and said, can you come help us figure this out? We just bought a company full of bank boxes, essentially. And he said, yeah, I'll come. So that, he was one of the first, I think he was the first employee. Hmm. So, yeah, two, uh, two guys from the Valiant history in our office. And we have involved a lot of the creators. Um, the fans have been Geez, I cannot imagine we would have had the success that we've had, except for the fans who have kept the dream alive in our in our absence. And Dinesh being one of those fans, I mean, he was active on the uh, the Valiant fans board long before he bought the company. So it's um, very much a fan driven company, and uh, I'm proud to be involved. So I think I think I answered the question. <laughs> you certainly did. Does anybody anybody else want to want to add to that? I know I know. Rob came in from outside, really, comic. He, you were a new arrival to comics when you got involved with Valiant. Yeah, I, I didn't start reading comics until I was in my uh, late 20s. So I, this was way after the 90s and all that. And uh, when Warren Simons, the executive editor at Valiant, had reached out to me about pitching for some of their stuff based on a creator-owned book that I had done called The Surrogates, um, I said, man, in my first conversation, I said, I'll be honest with you, not only have I not heard of any of those characters that you just mentioned, I don't even know what Valiant is. Like, I've never heard of that. And uh, he said, that's great. You know, we, we want, you know, fresh perspectives. We want to keep the core concepts, but, you know, have people take a look at them that, you know, aren't necessarily, you know, steeped in all the mythology and whatnot. So uh, it was the first monthly book that I ever did. Uh, still is. You know, I didn't know when I took the job. I had no idea what to expect. I'll do it for 12 issues maybe and they'll fire me or I'll do it for a year and a half and I'll run out of ideas. I don't know, you know, but uh, I just turned in the script for number 38. So I'm over three years into it now and still enjoying it. And, you know, there was a lot of work in the beginning. You know, Warren had to really sort of show me the ropes as far as monthly comics and that format. I'd never done it before in terms of making everything accessible for new readers like you were saying earlier. Um but, uh, and it's obviously you're still learning. You never stop learning, but, uh, you know, it seems to have worked out pretty well. So, And both Brian and, and Lewis, you, you have very long comic careers uh, compared to everybody else on the, on the well, Adam, but not creating, <laughs> selling. No. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been doing this for 14, 15 years now. Uh, I worked with the EIC, Warren, at Marvel previously uh, for several years, so... Once he found out I was available, he told me he didn't have anything to, for me to work on, but he'd like to, to try out. And then uh, two days after he told me he wanted me to try out, he gave me Shadow Man. And then 
week after that, he started giving me other books. And now I'm coloring four books a month for them, and I'm exclusive. <laughs> so, And we're happy about that. Too. <laughs> Amen. I, I, uh, I left comics for, for years. I, I started in 2001. Is this, am I loud enough? Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. I started in 2001, and then I, I left in like 2005 or six, and, and got into teaching. I was a public school teacher, and Warren called me in 2011. He was my editor at Marvel. And uh, he he uh, was my favorite editor at Marvel. He always pulled for me, and he, he you know he, he he liked my work thankfully. And uh, but I, I left comics for years, and he called in 2011 after us not talking for years, and was like, "Hey, what's going on?" He's like, uh, "You know, I'm, I'm you know the editor in chief at Valiant, and uh, it was the first I heard of it. I don't think anything had been announced at that point." And he's like, "You know." He, you know, you want to get back in the comics? I'm like, oh, I don't know. I, you know, I, I left that behind, and he, he kind of kept uh, asking me over a period of a few months, and I did a cover for him, and I hadn't even drawn for a couple years at that point, and I did a cover or two. I was like, man, I, I missed this. I, I, you know, I forgot how much I love drawing and comics, and, and, you know, Warren gets you excited, and I, I, I like the energy uh, from the rest of the, the crew, and, uh, you know, uh, here I am. I, I, I uh, you know, draw full-time for him now, and uh, it, it's been my best experience in the industry by far, working for Valiant. Something I want to point out with uh, Brian was talking about his workload, um, and Adam can correct me on this also. Uh, to my knowledge, these guys have not missed a single ship day. If they tell you a book is going to come out on a particular day when you go to your comic store, it is there. If it doesn't show up, it's because it didn't ship from the distributor. They have not missed a single deadline, a single release date since they started in 2012, and that is unheard of in this industry. Uh, there's no other publisher publishing today in the time that we've published who can say that. So yeah, in the last yeah. three years, even like right. people yeah. miss shit. <clears throat> Absolutely, yeah. it, it is it is a very overlooked fact that I, I think deserves a lot of kudos to you guys. It shows your commitment to your product, to your fans, and to the industry as a whole. So. Well, and also, I think it shows not only uh, the incredible work of our artists and writers, but also the, the behind-the-scenes guys, the editors and the publishers and the production guys who, I mean, nearly every Friday night are, because Friday night's where the, when the deadline hits. I mean, you know this. You yeah. probably have gotten notes. How late, how late have you yeah, gotten notes? I mean, I've, I've done, as my wife can attest, I've done notes on New Year's Eve. I've done notes on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, final lettering, Brian. I'm sure it's same with you. Color yes. every Friday night. You yes. know, like uh, there's been places where I'm on my way out the door to go somewhere and the call and it's seven o'clock, but the book's got to go to the printer and you turn around, and go back in the house and look something over. I think that a lot of people, and it's understandable. You know, I didn't really understand it either until I started doing it. But you don't understand the amount of machinery that goes in place to make a book come out every 28 days and how extremely hard that is when you figure all the components involved. You've got the writer, you've got the penciler, you've got the inker, you've got the color, you've got the letter, you've got the covers, sometimes two, three, four different covers, all the editorial, you know, the, the print laying out, the print file, uh, back matter, all these elements every 28 days for just one book. But you guys are shipping nine books a month or whatever it is, which means every Friday there's two books going out the door and all those pieces have to hit, all those tumblers have to connect just right for the book to get there. Um, that so would like you to think say, about that next always... time you want to go online and be like, that book sucked. You think, yeah. about, <laughs> think about all those people that work so hard to make that happen. Uh, I will say that we're not always up 
uh, every, not every book is up at uh, midnight on Friday night on uh, Thanksgiving or whatever. So, but um, uh, it is it, it, so we we do tend to get a lot of books done ahead of time. But there, but if there's a book's not ready, we don't want to ship it until it's ready. And if that means, you know, but we also don't have not missed a ship date. Right. So uh, that means that the guys are up. Luckily, it, uh, that doesn't involve my department. So, <laughs> yeah, it's actually like the the opposite of every other job ever because Monday is like the most peacefulest day. Oh yeah, like, Mondays you get are awesome. Not one single email at all, but then Friday is when everything just blows up. Like yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, in my uh, fourteen, fifteen years, I've actually never had a book bump because of me. So nice. I don't think I've ever. So and, and I think that's why Warren really loves me. Uh, and that's probably why I'm coloring like half the books. <laughs> I was gonna say that's why you're doing all, like five of them. Yeah. Also, it's, uh, let's not discredit your sparkling personality. Too. Yes, that's here. And your snappy attire. Which that's true. You need to work on Lewis on. I'm just saying. Yeah, you guys got to. Yeah, what is this? Help me out. <laughs> Zip this up. That? I need They might take photos. I need Valiant shot glasses. Where are you? Shirts. Hey, we <laughs> all need, need Valiant up. shot glasses and shirts. <laughs> um, all right, so so. Uh, Adam mentioned his department, so let's talk about his department. Let's talk about some of the creative marketing that's been going on. Um, I, I can't, I, I can't let, I can't be in front of everybody with with Rob here and not mention their blood will stain my boots, which is probably <laughs> the greatest EXO line I've ever heard in the history of the world. Um, so, tell us about that. Yeah, I mean, when this again, this is EXO number one. So this is the first book I've ever done, and. Uh, you know, I was still really getting to know Warren at that point, although I could tell right away he and I were going to be buddies. I actually saved the very first email I have that he ever reached out to me because I don't know if it will end up in something someday. But his first email was something to the effect of, this is Warren, Warren Simons, formal Marvel editor and world-class kung fu champion. <laughs> <laughs> One of those things is true. Uh, I want to talk to you about maybe writing for Valiant. Like, literally, that was how he introduced himself. And I was like, man, this is That's a guy. great intro. I'm totally stealing that. Yeah. Was, That's good. I was like, I can totally work with this guy. And so um, here I am writing my first monthly comic. I don't, I'm really learning the ropes in a lot of ways. And he calls me, and he's explaining to me how they're going to make a talking comic book cover and they want me to write like 30 seconds of dialogue and I can't even figure out, I don't even know if I knew what a variant cover was. Like, right. like I never knew what chromium was until they had to explain it to me. You know? <laughs> and so uh, I was like, man, I can't wrap my head around what you're even trying to describe to me. And so they sent me a link, like a concept link, because it was Neil Adams' studio that was doing Continuity. It. Continuity yeah. Studios. And I was like, okay, I get it now. And so that, they actually made posters of them too. And that poster is hanging up in my pantry at my house. So what, when like he, just over Thanksgiving, we had uh, we actually brought this was this was a valiant first innovation. It was well. the first, uh, yeah. It was our first, first comic, talking comic. Yeah, so what we had was a, a cover. It might be easier to use uh, your phone as a problem. anyway. So yeah, so what you would do it was a QR cover. So you had a QR code down at the bottom, and you would scan it with your your phone. And it's your just a big phone. face of XO. Yeah. Yeah. a big face and an X. I mean, and a, a smartphone diagram over his mouth, and you would put your uh, you scan it, and it would take you to a YouTube link. Uh, you play the YouTube video on your phone and you place it over his mouth and he's talking to you. Uh, like so the, we had, it's all animated, like yeah. the mouth is moving and everything. It's right? freaking glorious, guys, yeah. I promise. Do you have any at the booth? I don't think we no. do. We've done like four or five of them. They're in the backs of some of the trade paperbacks. You can go yeah, online. We can do, no, we have them in the trade paperbacks. Yeah, Come that's and check true, it out. you do, yeah. yeah. But like, over Thanksgiving, my grandparents uh, were at my house for Thanksgiving this year and you know they're in their late 80s. <laughs> and so my kids showed them how this worked and my grandparents were just like, 
What am I looking at? Future. It's like mystifying, you know? What is this, a jetpack? What is this? So, yeah, I mean, it's little things like that. It's one of the things that's really fun about working for Valiant. I mean, there's a million of those. Every time, you know, I get together with Adam or whatever, or the whole group, whether it's a writer's retreat or we're just at a con, like people just start talking about crazy marketing stuff. And like their motto is there's no dumb idea. Like, say every idea. And if we don't like it, then we'll weed it out. But don't ever be like, no, that's stupid. I'm not going to say it. Like, just say it, you know? <laughs> well, and Bob, you're actually huge on it. I, every time we do, they do a writer's retreat, which I don't uh, usually have time to go to anymore, you are, uh, you, uh, Dinesh always comes back with notes. Okay, what did Rob say this time? All right, we're going to work on this one and this one and that one. All right, get all these going. Yeah, I, I guess maybe I worked at a publisher for about 10 years before I worked for Valiant. And so I understand um, there's the element of actually having to sell the book, too. Not just yeah. make it, but it's got to get sold afterwards. And when a publisher's paying you to write a script or whatever, they're investing in you. And so it only behooves you to do whatever you can to sell that book and make it a profitable item for them because then they're going to hire you again. So. Well, this is actually a point that I, I always come back to is, you know, people all talk about the 90s about, and, and talk about it as though it was like some sort of villainous time right, where publishers were somehow trying to fleece the fans or something. But really what the publishers were doing was using the opportunity of the fact that a lot of people were buying comics to do even more fun things to sell comics. And they were, you know, they were using things like Chromium. They were using holograms. They were using all sorts of stuff that I look at and think, oh, that's awesome. I wish we could do that now. Uh, but, and so we, sometimes we do. We did Chromium for Armor Hunters. We, uh, we are, uh, we're doing a lot of a really cool POP stuff. No now. one had used that for years, right? I know, no. Actually, we had to go and find a manufacturer for that. And, uh, and, and Fred Pierce, our publisher, because he was the VP of manufacturing, had to teach that manufacturer is he, is how to he do not it. The, the inventor of Chromium? Like, he, well, well, I think like he was like the one who said the word Chromium for the first time. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. So he, he is credited as bringing Chromium to the industry. But yeah. Yeah, but but that just that just means that <laughs> pretty the guys like me who have I mean I don't I don't really I'm not really involved in the creative process of, of making comics. My creativity comes in trying to sell comics because so, that's where I come from. I was a retailer for 15 years and I started working in publishing to sell comics. That's all I know how to do is sell comics. And so one of the things that uh, that I love about Valiant is that we get the opportunity to kind of bring some of that creativity to how we sell as well. And and we've done some really crazy stuff, and and not, not all of it has worked, but it's all been a whole lot of fun. It makes it fun. Yeah, yeah exactly. So yeah, no, it's uh, I think it, I think it's a good thing when we get an opportunity to make comics fun. I think comics should be more fun. You know, they don't all have to be serious. So, there you go. So as a result of of these these gentlemen's hard work, um, company is doing fairly well with the development deal that's that's just been done. So. What's on the horizon with, you know, everybody's, everybody wants to know what you can't tell us. Um, we all want to know what movie we're going to see first. We all want to know what storyline's coming up. We all want to know which classic Valiant character is going to make its next appearance, what issue it's going to be in, and what panel it's going to be on what page. You don't really want to know, though. Uh, you say you want to know, but you want, you want that surprise. I'm pretty sure I want to know. <laughs> I know. I know we have some surprises coming up, uh, some, some really fun, surprises. some big yeah. surprises coming up. We have one on the horizon that is going to blow people's socks off and I think if we're doing it right I think we're going to get the opportunity to surprise fans for the first time so and you won't know when it's coming and this is a lot of feedback what is that oh, all right. it's probably me sitting in a chair no it's quite alright I was feigning you know that I needed to sit down because I was all a swoon and, nah, and it didn't work nobody got it so yeah. I was like, okay. <laughs> 
But yeah, I, you know, they're surprised. I tell you one thing I'm really excited about. We are getting the opportunity uh, to work all very far ahead now. Um, uh, so that we are getting, you know, getting books together long ahead, which means that we get to work with artists like, like uh, Miko Soyan, who's on uh, Bloodshot Reborn right now, who is not a page a day artist. He's not a monthly artist, but you you give him enough long lead time, you can uh, have him do this incredible work. I'm telling you, man, with you, they're doing Bloodshot Reborn. Wait till you see this book. It's coming out on the May 15th, I think, um, and it's going to be the first four issues of Miko. It's going to blow your socks off. It's by a guy named Jeff Lemire. I think he's like an up-and-comer or something. Some, I heard his name somewhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, we were playing Moneyball. We found he's this a good, guy. He's a good kid. I think he might have yeah, a future. He might. He can, he, he's got a couple ideas. But the thing I'm, I'm actually most excited about sitting right here is uh, a little almost a year down the line, we have Mr. Louis LaRosa over here working on Bloodshot Reborn on a storyline. And he's already, you're into your second issue? Yeah, I just got a couple pages of script for the second issue right before I left. So there you go. He's got the first issue in the can a year from now. Yeah. So so I drew issue 10, and issue 1 doesn't come out until April. So it feels pretty good to, uh, you know, to have that lead time. And, and, uh, uh, you know, I... I, uh, I, I wish I don't know. I have every job if I'll be this lucky to have this kind of lead time. But uh, man, that's, they're spoiling me right now. Yeah, well, it just allows me to do my best work. This, this and as you can tell by the way he talks, he's not fast. So he, uh, <laughs> Jeff is a really fast writer too. Like he, uh, Jeff. Well, he does. What does he do? Like five books a month. Yeah, but Jeff, uh, he's just. Whatever his process is, I don't know what it is, but he, uh, well, him and, he's he and really Kent. Fast. I mean, yeah. it's like every book on the rack. I think Jeff yeah. might even. I thought Matt was fast, but I think Jeff might even be faster than Matt. I mean, Jeff is like that's crazy with the number like, of ideas that they're putting on the page. Yeah. Well, just, Matt's like an idea guy. Like, the way Warren describes Matt, and I've known. It's funny, like uh, Adam when he owned his store in L.A., and then Matt and Jeff, the publisher I worked for, was called Top Shelf, and I started out working in their warehouse, packing boxes, and mailing them out. If you ever ordered a book from Top Shelf for about ten years. I was the one who mailed it to you. I mailed the books out to all the stores. So He's brutal I, with a tape gun. I, dude, I'm brutal. a machine with a tape He's gun. A and machine. you laugh like you think that's easy, but it ain't, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I used to ship books to him when he was right. a retailer. Uh, I would fill his orders and do his invoicing. And then Jeff and Matt, they started out publishing books at Top Shelf. And so um, I've known those guys you know, 10 years now uh, as them being creators and me working there. And so it's funny now, you know, we go to a retreat and it's, it's, you know, I'm there, Matt's there, Jeff's there, you're there. And it's like all these people who I've known for so long, but in a different capacity. And now you get to be creators with them, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Matt's always been that way. And the Warren, way Warren describes him is he's like a TV set. You can just turn on and, and leave running. And he just is like spouting out ideas. Oh, there's a Russian cosmonaut who goes out to space and gets powers. And blah, blah. Just, like, just, just fires all these ideas out. You know? um, he's just a super smart dude. Uh, yeah, and I love the fact that when Miko drew him, Miko? No, who drew him? Trevor. In? Trevor. Trevor. Trevor drew him in. Uh, he was a mad scientist. I think that really fits. You know, yeah. he's got to have that mad scientist vibe about him. It was Miko. Was it Miko? Oh, yeah. I thought you were talking yeah. about who's drawing just Divinity. Like, yeah. Uh, drew Kenton, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah Matt yeah. tries to put himself in almost all his books. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, well, he's been in a lot, too. Jeff, yeah, Jeff wrote it. Yeah, Crane drew it. Too, Miko's yeah. Bloodshot. Right. Yeah, but he, yeah, he teased it and put it out there. That's you know, too so. funny. Yep. Miko's right, so, so realistic, there was no mistake in who it no, was. No, there was no, no question. Yeah. No. So, so 
for the for the creative gentleman. Sorry, Adam. Yeah, that's no, right. Give you a chance to, to, to collect your God, thoughts. Thank you. Uh, for the creative guys, you're a new arrival, obviously, Lewis. So you, this may be an easier question for you to answer. What character currently or from the original run have you not worked on that you would love to get a shot at? Well, I've, I think I've drawn covers for every book. I've, I, I've drawn, I, I think I've drawn covers for every book, and I've done like a couple of uh, the Valiant Universe jam pieces with all the characters. So I, I think I've drawn everybody. I don't think, uh, and, and I, one thing that's been fun too is Warren's given me the opportunity to design a lot of characters and like the Divinity character. I, I did the visuals for and. Uh, uh, I can't even remember them all. Like updating Eternal Warrior for his future self, and uh, some of the uh, several uh, EXO villains. I think the uh, the Dead Hand. Who Dead Hand? Dead Hand. Did you draw some of the Man of War designs? Yeah, I might not the, even the, uh, seen them. Uh, Am- yeah. Amalgam. Is that one of them? Oh, Amalgam. 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 Okay. Yeah, right. Amalgam. Okay. I, I designed him, and uh, but. Uh, I'm I'm just enjoying bl- drawing Bloodshot now. I've always my favorite growing up was EXO, and I love what Robert's done with the book. And and uh, you know Carrie, man, Carrie is one of my favorite artists, and he made it look awesome. But I, oh, I'd man, love to Carrie draw a little EXO story sometime. But uh, and and Bloodshot visually is very similar to the work some of the work you did with Punisher. Yeah, so and I was nervous that. about that. I think I told Warren, I was like, you know, I don't want to be that guy that just draws the big mean guy with guns all the time. But uh, the Story I'm drawing now with that Jeff's writing so different from I, I can't really talk about it, but it's not. Oh come you on! Know, you can tell us. I mean, it doesn't all, feel like I'm family. drawing the same old thing, you know. It doesn't gotcha. and, and even the like the Harbinger characters, you know, they're they're just like regular people. But uh, Joshua Dysart's such a good writer, and you, you know, he makes the characters so real and interesting that it makes it fun for me to draw them, even though they don't really have, you know, costumes, you know, uh, Harada, the villain, he, uh, you know, he's just a guy in a suit, but I enjoy drawing him just because he's so well-written, you know, and uh, so stuff like that, you know, I'll think about it, like, you know, I'll be enjoying drawing him, I'm just drawing a guy, but this is fun because, you know, he's so well-written, and just kind of a testament to the Well, well, with a guy with, like, Harada, you're not necessarily stuck with, like, you know, a particular costume, like he can Harada can wear whatever kind of suit he wants. He to can wear, wear a three piece suit. He can yeah. wear a two piece suit. Chris can wear what, whatever she wants to wear. You know, so yeah. it, it allows you. You know, you don't have to wake up in the morning and go, "Oh, I've got to draw that stupid costume." Well, oh, I, you know, it's kind of why you get into business of drawing them, though. You want to draw the costume, sure, you sure. Know, so, uh, you know, when you get a plain clothes guy, you know, you're always kind of like, "Oh, you know, it's a little bit more of a chore." But when the like, like I'm saying, they're so well. Realized and so well written, and and that they're they're made to be so interesting. I don't mind drawing them, you know, standing around in jeans. Right. Yeah. I think uh, I was gonna say for me at this point, Viant kind of has to like either create characters or relaunch one for me to not have worked on it. Um, <laughs> and most and there's like I don't work on every book that like I never really worked on Archer and Armstrong, but I've done a lot of designs, like behind the scenes for like characters I've yet to color on interiors, but I've done designs for them. As far as like the color breakdowns, like uh, the Geomancer and all that, I've never, I've only colored her on a cover, but I did all of her color designs. So yeah, they had to, if I could pick a series that they don't currently have that I could work on, it would probably be like Shadow Man or something like that. Uh, Ninjak? Or, oh, the one that they don't have. Well, I, I get a Ninjak's good feel of Ninjak on Unity. Job, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. I would like to call her Ninjak, but I get I get that? plenty of Ninjak on <laughs> Unity. I think Warren likes to just kind of hold that in his back pocket to keep me you know, working for them. That one day I might get the Ninjak series. But. I think you're right. Keep working hard, son. Mm-hmm. Just keep working hard. Maybe someday you might color Ninjak. You can color Ninjak. <laughs> All that purple will be. It's yours. the weirdest dream ever. But. <laughs> Open up your palette to purple. Uh, for me. Um, there's two Valiant characters. One I already did, kind of, uh, which is Ninjak. He was so much fun. I thought he was the most ridiculous thing in the world. But then I did that art. He's cool. Show and he, yeah, Once he get past the ridiculousness. Yeah, he was. He, well, you got to embrace the ridiculousness, yes. you know? And so, like, um, I actually just wrote a scene that I don't even know if you know about, but mm. I'll tell you about it later for an issue that's coming up that I can't discuss. Is this the one shot? <laughs> uh, for number 38. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, uh, but on, and Eternal Warrior, too. I like Eternal Warrior a lot. But I will say, Lewis, if you're looking to do an EXO story, there's a classic from the original run. You can back me up on this, Danny. Where uh, EXO, Eric rode EXO, and the armor was in the shape of a mountain bike. And he kind of just tooled around town <laughs> That's right. on a bike that was the armor. And so I think we could get together on bike. that. Wait, oh, you so can do I... a pretty cool EXO bike of war. Do you, you know? know who drew that? Uh, That's Bernard Chang. Is it really? Yes. It was, like, it was, a, high, like, it was a bicycle, right? Yeah, Bernard. It, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't a motorcycle. It was no, like, the armor shaped like a mountain bike. And he's like, Dude, riding it, it around the streets up. of New York City. <laughs> so I'd, get to, I'd be drawing EXO, but not really. It, well, be, no, the armor would be the bike. Oh, okay. Like, come on. Dude, he's a bike I gotta, messenger. I gotta see this. That stuff sells itself. He's a bike messenger. Take that one, Vinny, to run with it. That should be a variant cover, at least. Yeah, for sure. We sat down. Robert and I were talking about, apparently, we're both space nerds. And, uh, uh, and, and that re- actually, something about what you just said reminded me of Divinity, which is on the shelves right now, which we're talking about uh, um, uh, Matt Kinn's selling. crazy. I'm selling, all right? <laughs> Shut up. But it does remind me of something. So essentially, this is a story of a cosmonaut who goes uh, up into space and is never heard from him again. And he comes back essentially as a god. Um, but that when we were, they were first p- telling me about this story, I told them my favorite story about the cosmonaut um, the program when uh, when they were first trying, to, they were first sending someone into space. Uh, the U.S. When we first sent someone into space, we realized that the astronauts are going to have to, um, you know, they have to write up there, and so they had to, they didn't know how do you how do you use a pen in space? I mean, it's you know, the, you need gravity in order to push the ink down to the nib, and they could not figure this out. So they spent something like five, I think it was like this, yeah, five million dollars developing the space pen. Right? We've all seen that now. You can draw underwater, you can write upside down, whatever. Uh, the, uh, the Russians just used a pencil. <laughs> I want to say Valiant, we're the Russians. That's right. and this, in this particular story. All right, well, we, we have a pretty decent crowd here, and we're about halfway through the show, so I figure I will open this up for any questions that you guys might have. Gentlemen, right here. So he's, he's asking if there's any plans to bring Harbinger back, for those of you on the podcast who cannot hear into the audience because I did not go out and get his question. Oh, this is being podcasted. Oh, good. Uh, oh, now you're on for everything you've said. Good what job. did I say? Oh, oh, damn it. I'm supposed to ask that before I sit down. Uh, is there any, any plan to bring Harbinger back? Well, in many ways, the Harbinger storyline is still going, is still active. Those characters are still alive. We're still, uh, we still see well, some Imperium. of them are still alive. Yeah, they're Imperium. Yeah, yeah they're, they're all Imperium. Imperium. Uh, so I don't know if you've read Imperium, which you absolutely should be. Uh, it is, in many ways, a Harbinger is a Harada-focused um, uh, book, I think, in a lot of ways. And, uh, and so Imperium is, a connect, is connecting to that. Um, it is a connective tissue to what's coming next, 
So um, there will be, you will see the Harbinger kids again. They are just, um, they're all in their place right this second. So, and, and a lot of it is just about getting it right, too. So, yes is the answer. Succinct as always. Thank you. Um, I have to keep talking until I realize none of you have given an answer. <laughs> Um, my question then is for Rob. I was wondering, when you said that you didn't know much about um, Valiant when you were approached and they wanted that fresh look on it, did you go back into the archives then and like read everything about it before you started coming up with ideas, or did you just get like a general sense of what it was about and then start kind of trying to pitch something together? Yeah, at that point, um, they... And this isn't anything against Valiant, like they weren't a like they weren't a successful company or anything like that. I mean, it, at that point in time, ninety percent of the Marvel and DC characters you could have called and asked me about, and I wouldn't know anything about them either. Outside, what anybody would know from the Spider-Man movies or the X-Men movies, because I just never read comics. But uh, what they had at that point was they had a bunch of uh, printouts that I'm sure Adam has seen that were kind of like Bibles for the characters. There were like maybe five pages in them. They gave you a rough background on who these characters were, and they had them for all the big characters. And so they sent me that. And they just kind of told me to look through them all. And I think the one Warren wanted me to be doing was Bloodshot. Um, that was the one he was kind of interested in me pitching on. Not he was going to give it to me, but I'd like to know your thoughts about this character. But I couldn't make any sense of it because the document leaned very heavily into the idea that like, whenever he got injured, he would have to like take the corpses of the people that he killed yeah, and shove them into his body protein. to regenerate and whatever. And I was like, whoa, that's a little too hard for Did me. he think that was like closest to what you did on surrogates, I guess? I think he was probably doing technology-wise, whatever. But So I looked through all those documents, and uh, XO was the one that really stood out to me because like, there's literally no other character like that. He's a Visigoth in sentient alien armor. Like, that doesn't happen. I don't know where else you find that, you know? And so I told him I wanted to pitch on that one, and they sent me a, a collection. It was like their first seven issues uh, of, of the old Valiant. And so I read those seven issues, and then I based my pitch off of that. And my reasoning was I'm not going to go read all 72 issues of the original XO for a job that I don't even know that I'm going to get. Plus, I don't even have the time to do that. Normally, when you're going to pitch on something, you got to, you know, they want it in a week or two or something like that. And so, um, but after I went through the pitch phase and, and was hired for the job, then I went and read the entire run of the original story and found out that there were some elements in my pitch that I didn't want to do because they'd already been done or there were other things that I wanted to say, like, change in a certain way because now I'd read the whole history of the character. Um, but to start off, I just read a handful of issues. The first one, which is the origin story, you know, XO Zero was in that same collection, which is a big one. Gives you a lot of background on the armor. And then I just kind of based a pitch off of that. Uh, yeah, one of the marketing techniques from back in the old days that I really remember fondly was the uh, gold books. Sure. Any chance of bringing that back where you reward retailers I mean, and super got a guy wearing an Iron Man shirt asking about a gold book here. Is that how they did it in the old days? You wear an Iron Man shirt, uh, Valiant would give you a gold book? You think that's what, how that, that happens? That's huh? how that works. Uh, uh, Iron Man yeah. shirt, what's up? <laughs> what is up? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Not a plant. Uh, we actually did. We, uh, we love the gold book program. In fact, this is the Ivar Time Walker gold. We often do gold uh, books for this. Uh, what, uh, what he's not, the, one of the things that the Valiant did and one of the reasons that I think that the, the fans were so passionate was way back then they, were, uh, they embraced fans like nobody else did and we wanted to carry that over. Um, and one of the ways we do that is with the gold program. You can get a gold book by showing up at a convention wearing uh, one of our shirts 
uh, or uh, or some sort of value for a paraphernalia. Yeah. Look at that. Did I get a gold book? Like that? You got, like, Did I get a gold right book? Here. That my own, you hold, my own book? While I talk. Okay. Um, <laughs> You can get it by doing something very cool. A lot of our a lot of our Valiant fans do things like uh, they do lending libraries in their in their hometowns. They give out free comics. They do this thing called the free view. Uh, they you know go and hound their stores uh, into stocking our stuff. Um, essentially, anytime you go over and above, we always try and reward you with a with a gold book. Or if you come to a panel. Uh-huh. Uh, so now that you guys are here, all you have to do is come to our booth and use. The phrase, I'm going to do, I, I got one. I had one, and I'm going to have to go back and tell them I'm changing it. Just use one word. It's the word that's going to be really, really important in the, in the next few months. It's the word death. So use that this secret very, password. This is very dark. <laughs> so what I want you to do is, I want you to go up, and this is a password, so that you have to keep this quiet and, and careful to yourself. So you just can't go over to our booth and shout the password. <laughs> Right, exactly. Yeah, don't, don't, don't ever do that again because they might throw you out. You know? yeah. What I want you to do is go over to and find either uh, Chris or myself and whisper in our ears. Death. <laughs> Death. There you go. That's what I'm talking about. Right there. You can, can you do it, Lewis? Because you, your voice. Just do that. Just. <laughs> Thank you. So yes. Yes, it's the answer. So who's next? Hi, as a uh, new fan, what book should I start with? All. Absolutely. All of them? <laughs> all of them. In my completely Just unbiased opinion, I would say Exo Man War would be. No. I'd say Exo. <laughs> but the, nice, the cool thing about Valiant is any, they have all the books that they publish are all niche titles. They all link together and it all meshes together as one larger continuity universe, but they all stand completely separate from each other as well. So if you want something like real hardcore action, you might like Bloodshot. If you like something that's a little more. You know, mystical, magical. You might like Shadow Man. If you want a team book, Unity. If you like the idea of XO, XO. But all their introductory trades are the first arcs of those individual series, which vary from like four to six issues, and they're all ten bucks. So any introductory trade for any of those characters, ten bucks, you're going to get the first arc of that. So, um, but come up to the booth. Uh, ask ask us again. I mean, and and we'll we'll ask you questions. What kind of stuff do you like? What do you uh, what are what are your favorite? Well, you know, what's your favorite movie? Where did you go on vacation? What did you have for breakfast? These things are important <laughs> when diagnosing a comic book. Uh, but uh, yeah, we have to find the individual book, and we have we have built up a couple years worth of uh, work to to choose from, and uh, nearly all of it would be fantastic first first uh, foray into Valiant, and and nearly all of it will addict you to a point where you are going to be reading the whole universe. I'm sorry, it's just uh, you you made the decision when you walked in the room. <laughs> Your life has changed now. Welcome. <laughs> Who's next? I love this microphone. It just it's just so creepy. I love it. Yeah, anyway. Come on. Come on. Who's next? Come on. Anyone? No? Really? Yeah, we have that informative. I, 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 we have that informative. All right. Yes, sir. Brian. Mr. Sanchez. We had Valiant first. Yes, sir. And now we are on to Valiant next. Yes, sir. What is after that? Hmm. Probably gonna know relatively soon. You're gonna right? know very soon. <laughs> Valiant now. <laughs> Valiant after dark. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Valiant gone. Dim the wild. lights. <laughs> um, I would say, you know, don't forget the password. 
I actually have a question. Yes, sir. For Rob. Yeah. Since you're talking about the uh, the EXO pitch, what was in the pitch that you threw out? Well, there's a lot of stuff in the pitch that I've still not even used yet. Um, some of it will come around, some of it won't. What's in the pitch that I threw out? Man, I'd have to look at it. But I, I think there was some stuff that was like um, – There was the bike, wasn't it? Oh, I know one. There was the, <laughs> no, you're going to use the mountain bike. They Anyone? Oh, they already did that. Yeah. Damn it. They'll have to pry that from my cold, dead hands. <laughs> um, uh, one thing was uh, in the original continuity, they had a character named Ken Clarkson. I didn't like him very much. Uh, I didn't like what they did with his character as much. I wanted to do a new spin on him, so... So you called him Clark Kenson? No, we replaced... <laughs> we sort of replaced him with Alexander Dorian. Um, so, which is a character that fills a similar sort of role, but, um, I don't know, in a, in a more modern way, I guess you might say. Um, but, uh, I don't know. I don't know. What did I jettison... Um, I don't know if I can remember. I'd have to go back and look, you know. Um, there's probably some other things. Some things just worked out really coincidentally. Like, I didn't even realize that in the original continuity there was a hand that had been lost and had gotten regrown, and that was already something that we were going to do. And then it ended up looking like we're pulling on these old threads. But I didn't even know that. Um, yeah. How, how uh, crazy did, like, Warren encourage you to go with your – like how how close did he want you to stay the original concept and how you know how much did he say well they you know, wanted yeah go the, nuts with it the, the, the sort of the and I think it's true of all the characters you know there's like these these core two or three sentences you're not going to change and like yeah. about XO was he's a Visigoth in a sentient suit of alien armor you know so that concept had to stay which is great that's what attracted me to the book in the first place you know but beyond that like we were on the same page very early in terms of like in the '90s series. He's 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 very sort of cavemanish, you know. Like mm -hmm. you'll walk into a room and he'll be hiding behind a potted plant in the corner, like in a loincloth or something. You know what I mean? And like we were both on the same page. Like we didn't want him to be that way. Like he he can be from a primitive time, but still be very intelligent and comprehending. Just have an aesthetic and a and a personal code that is dated by our standards. You know. Yeah. So for example, one of the things that happens a lot in the book is he does things that by our standards today might seem unheroic, but by his standards are completely heroic. You know and if you watch a movie like Braveheart, there's a scene where Braveheart sends the head of the king's cousin back to the king. And his viewers were like, yeah, get him, get, get him Braveheart, you know. But, like, if that were to happen now, by our modern aesthetic, like, that general would be brought up for war crimes, right? right. So it's just like, how does the nature of heroism change? Like, when Eric lands in Romania in, in the third arc of the series or fourth arc of the series and decides he wants to reclaim that for his homeland, like, that's, his, that's what he did in his day, and that's totally fine. But... By our standards, it's like you can't just show up and, and kick everybody out of a country. Like yeah. We don't do that anymore, you know? So, um, uh, and also we were on the same page in terms of the villains um, needing to be reworked. You know, in the original series, they were sort of very, almost like stormtroopers, just cannon fodder. They didn't have a lot of personality or what their goals were, their motivations. You couldn't really sympathize with what they wanted in any way. Mm -hmm. So the biggest part of my pitch was dedicated to them and what their goals was and why they were doing what they were doing and how they got here and all that kind of stuff. So. Um, you know, I, I reread the uh, Armorines storyline on the plane down. and uh, <clears throat> The Armorines one? The Armorines? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And what I, I think what I loved the most about that was those quiet moments where all he really wanted to do was just go home and, like, you know, kill a deer and just cook dinner at home yeah. and just hang out in, you know, his, like, leather 
tunic. You know, he's not. He just that's what that's where he's comfortable. He just wanted to go home and hang out with his girl and eat a deer. Yeah, it's interesting you, know? you uh, bring that arc up because I don't think a lot of people knew that a lot of that arc was supposed to be tongue in cheek. Like I don't think they understood that. Yeah. You know? Like yeah. Um, which I do kind of try to do pretty often, but yeah. maybe I'm not as funny as I think I am. But like there was, <laughs> like there was one scene where he goes on this big adventure and you know does all this stuff and he like sinks a Russian thing yeah. under the ocean and blows up a spaceship and he comes home and like his wife just has the sink running and she <laughs> just wants him to look at the running water and she likes it because it sounds like a waterfall and yeah. like the whole idea was supposed to almost be like the honeymooners like this guy had a long day at work and he comes home and his wife just wants to talk about the plumbing and he's like dude I just want to sit down you know I thought it was kind of sweet I, I really yeah, did. I loved I that know. I don't think she's like because uh, what's her name the general is like do you want me to turn that off no she likes it yeah it's okay I thought it was sweet yeah, I, don't so I don't know but uh, I have fun with that kind of stuff Warren gets it but yeah yeah yeah. Wow. So, so what was the what was the uh, the reasoning behind the decision to lose the ring? Um, for Exo, for those of you that don't know, there was a yeah. control ring that actually helped him. It, it's how the armor bonded to him. I think now it's more of like a, a almost a symbiotic relationship, which exactly, is yeah. part of him, as opposed to having the ring, which what is how he communicated to Shanhara. Yeah, I, for me, like when I was, uh, that's a great question. Nobody's ever asked me that before. Yeah, for me, I, when <laughs> first I was time doing, ever when, when I was doing the pitch, uh, I just felt like it would be more compelling, and it became a central part of the mythology of the armor as we reconceived it. That it that the link would be mental, you know, that they would be connected mentally, and he wouldn't need to wear this ring in order to call the armor or any of those kinds of things. And that from day one was something that that. Uh, you know, sort of those threads are running through the entire series all the way up through Armor Hunters when you find out that this is almost like a, it's a virus basically that has sort of infected him and is, when it's healing him, it's actually turning him into a new suit of armor. <coughs> Presumably if he were to get damaged enough over a long history, he would just become his own orb and that's how the consciousness gets in there, you know. So um, it just seemed to me, I don't know, like a better way to go about doing it to make it this unbreakable bond between them as opposed to somebody who could take the ring or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. You're leaving a lot of easy stories on the table, Rob. <laughs> oh, I, I lost my ring. Where'd it go? You yeah. cleaned up and yeah. moved it. Yeah. And washed my hands killed, and it was in the <laughs> sink. Yeah. Uh, now there's the, a rat running around with an exo Of the merchandising aspect of the ring, too. I, you I, really I, did I screw us up. on that, man. <laughs> <laughs> I meant to bring that up. I was so pissed off. Too, oh, know. my God. So does anybody else have anything? Any other questions? Uh, this is kind of for everybody. Um, I liked your pictures online last night, by the way. Thanks, buddy. I, I love your shoes. Thank you. <laughs> it's on my. It's my now. What is that? The background picture on Facebook. Uh, it is, is it the, really? The, yeah, the, me and the shoe. I liked it. It was a good picture. I don't remember you taking them. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> so uh, my question is kind of for everybody. How how do you guys manage to be so involved with the fan base? Because uh, that's one thing that a lot of us notice. Yeah. Um, being involved online a lot is everybody just kind of just you know sends a shout out or butts into a conversation or whatever, and it kind of makes a lot of the fans feel good, you know, um, knowing that you guys can be so involved. And even some of the other guys, Warren and Dinesh, even. Um, so how do you guys manage to do that? How how do you guys ma- like foster that kind of culture at Valiant? Are you talking about like at Central? But these guys, I mean, you guys are all active. I mean, for me, I I work really late, so I have social media. (laughs) I browse Facebook all the time. (laughs) That's that's the way I can communicate with other people. (laughs) Three in the morning, I uh, 
at Troll Valiant Fan Boards. Did you want? Yeah, I mean, it uh, just makes me work harder having uh, you know having a connection to the readers. It makes me want to do a better job. It makes me want to do my best work for uh, the people that, that buy the books. And you know, when you're late and you're tired and you, you want to go to bed and uh, your eyes are dried out and you're like, I, I, I can't phone in and someone's going to notice, you know, someone someone out there notices this stuff and, and, and looks at it and so it, it, you know, just compels me to do my, my best work and makes the job more rewarding and enjoyable. So, yeah, I, I, I'm thankful that, that you guys support the books. Yeah, for me, uh, it, it's really just a matter of you know, I go back, I always wanted to be a writer ever since I was in elementary school. I always knew I wanted to be a writer, not, not comics. I wasn't reading comics at the time, you know. And I remember even when I got into high school and grad school, and in your head, you're just like, man, if I could just publish one story, one time, that'll be enough for me. You know, it's just such an insurmountable, you don't even know how it's going to happen, you know. It, there's so many obstacles in your way, um, you know, being good enough to do it, quote-unquote good enough to do it, isn't even enough to get you there. There's so many other things that have to fall into place. And so to me, like literally, every time somebody buys one of my books and they send me something about it on Twitter or come by and have me sign something at a convention, you know, there's people who will be like, how much does it cost for an autograph? Or, I'm sorry, man, I've got like three books here, you know, will you sign them or whatever? And it's like, man, I'm amazed every time somebody does it, you know, because I remember what that was like, you know. And so now I've written over 100 comics at this point, you know, and... Uh, just crazy stuff I've been able to do, you know. Uh, you go to conventions in other countries, and I mean, I'd never traveled out of the country in my life before, you know. Um, go to these writers' retreats and sit with these guys whose books I used to pack up and mail out in boxes, and now I'm, I'm an equal at the table with these guys, or, you know, be up here in front of a room. Like, why does anybody want to hear what I have to say? You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know, just to, to just understand how lucky you are to be able to do what you do, and, uh, you know, there's all kinds of people on Twitter, and you were one of them until this weekend, <laughs> that I talk to all the time, you know, that I engage in conversations, and, you know, I've never met any of those people, you know, but they're in Australia or, or the UK or whatever. And I had a guy one time send me a photo of uh, a copy of the surrogates. He's holding a copy of the surrogates at McMurdo Station in Antarctica which means that my books have been on all seven continents. Nice. <laughs> you know what I mean? And when you think about that, like, that doesn't make me any, I don't get any money from that or whatever, but it's just, uh, it's just inconceivable to me that the book is in Italian and my grandmother, who's Italian, can see my book in Italian. Like, these are things that are just yeah. beyond what you ever conceive is going to happen to you, you know? And so yeah. just to appreciate that, because it could be gone tomorrow, you know? So. Also, another thing is, like, uh, I mean, with me anyway, I feel way more invested in Valiant as far as, the work I'm producing and the work I'm seeing by everybody else. So I want to, I want to know I'm a fan just as much as everybody else. I want to see the reaction from the fans and interact with them to see what, what's working, what's not. Well, and, Brian, uh, Brian and I grew up with the books. I mean, you were a big Ninjak fan. I, I you know, I, I read in the early 90s, XO and Ninjak. And did you guys know each other a long time back, like going back? No. Or, uh, we've known each other for a long time, but we never worked with each other until Valiant. But that's right. That's, I forgot about that. I, I thought I'd brought your name up to Warren initially when he started. I was trying to get you to, to color my Maybe. first covers. Lewis and I were actually supposed to color uh, or we're supposed to work on Firestorm at one point when they were rebooting them for like DC. Ten, over 10 years. Ago. Over 10 years. Uh, the editor got fired off of that project. 
Yeah, I think. Yeah. And then and the new it just went into. Fired everyone else. Yeah. And they wanted to hire Brian. Ripper. And then that, like, oh, this guy's gotta go. That actually turned into like the uh, <laughs> the crisscross firestorm okay. run. Yeah. So it was back, and then we never worked with each other since that. Like we never actually published anything together. And then now you color everything. Yeah, Viant came along, and they're like, "Hey, you want to color this guy?" I, I was like, "Yeah, I'll give it a try." <laughs> if you want to know true pain, go have barbecue with these two. Because at some point barbecue will shoot out, shoot out your nose. It is it is very difficult to not hold in the laughter because these two are they're like little. Yeah. And after it shoots out, I'll, if I'll yes. eat it. He will eat it. <laughs> oh, yeah. If there is any food left on any plates, he will pile it onto his plates. It will. I'd love to answer your question because I, I like this question a lot. Uh, Valiant uh, has been an incredible experience for me coming from. A retail background where uh, you spend, uh, I spend 15 years seeing the same people every week um, and, uh, and getting to know them and their families and their kids and their grandparents and, you know, and, you know, what they liked and seeing them after hours and those were my friends. Um, and then I worked at publishing and you go from, you know, like 400 people you see every week to thousands of people that you maybe see once a year. And uh, other publishers I worked for didn't have quite the same community as Valiant. But getting involved in the Valiant community has become has kind of taken me back to that. That's uh, the, you know these core group of really passionate people who come from all over, all over. You guys are spread out, um, and each and every one of you has that passion. And I think it's and it's awesome to be able to be able to be involved in that. Comics is a very personal medium. Uh, you know, you watch movies, and there are three hundred people who worked on that movie. You watch, um, you know, you, you spend any time listening to, I mean, radio. I mean, if you listen to radio, you're not, you're not interacting with a single person. You're interacting with, you know, dozens and dozens of people. The work that you see in comics filters through. And I mean, don't get me wrong. There are about six or seven people who are really involved. But you have a very personal, it's a very personal conversation between you and a storyteller um, or storytellers. And, uh, and I think that brings people to comics, people who come to comics and the comics community are come to it because they like that personal connection, and I think it means it says a lot about a lot about you guys. So that's that's part of why we love it the way we the way we do. Now, why Valiant is the way it is, is it, it draws you guys in. I think it's I think it just has to go. It goes back to a heritage of real storytelling, and I think that's uh, that is remarkable and unique. You guys are a very unique group. I hate that phrase, very unique. It always pisses me off when it comes out of my own mouth. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. Well, you, you, guys, you guys, you know, obviously we were passionate about, about the universe beforehand, but you, you've continued to make it very easy for us to be passionate about the universe because, because, you know, we feel that if we don't like something, we can tell you, and you'll actually hear it, and it, will, it may make a difference. So thank yep. you, guys. You're very welcome. So that is it. We have hit our time. Fantastic. Thanks for coming out. Thanks for watching me uh, struggle doing my Thank first you panel. Guys. You did amazing. Everybody hit my round of applause. Yeah. You did awesome. Stop it. Stop it. You stop can host it. my cocktail party anytime. Stop it. I'll, I'll be handing out money as you walk out. <laughs> uh, so y'all guys have a, have so a great day. Enjoy the rest of uh, SC Comic Con 2015, and we will see you in 2016.